You're listening to The Weekly Brew with Austin Stepp, Jeremy Paxton, and Hunter Atkins. It's time to sit back, relax, and be informed. Welcome to episode 126 of the Weekly Brew Podcast. We've got a full house today. My name's Austin Stadden. Hunter Atkins to my left. Jeremy Paxton uh, not looking at me in front of me right now, which is kind of weird. But guys, the first time we've been together since Hunter's been off on his conquest of West Palm Beach, Florida. As uh, if anybody cares. Yeah. Hunter, Jeremy, good to have you guys back in the studio. Good to be back. Papa's home. I missed you guys. <laughs> Papa's home. I like that. I know. I, I really, I really missed all of the uh, off-air discussion every week. It's been that's really the best. Part, I know. It, honestly, it, yeah, it's true. We went. We talked about Stormy Daniels. <laughs> we, we talked about all the things in politics. We don't have time right now to talk about. Right. But we'll, we'll we'll put in the camera. But speaking we'll of politics, we're going to discuss a little NFL politics with uh, Eric Winston here in just a few moments. Eric Winston is the uh, former Texan. Spent what six, seven years with the organization. Uh, he spent the last four seasons with the Cincinnati Bengals and is currently the president for the NFL Players Association. So we're going to get into a lot of great discussion on the NFL. And you can also follow uh, Eric on Twitter at Eric Winston. So stay tuned for that conversation. But uh, guys, baseball season is here. And, and Hunter, I'm stoked. I know. There's an Astros exhibition game on Monday night and I'm going <laughs> to it. Just so I can get my fix for baseball. Uh, Tragically, I will be there too. Well, let's let's like can we, can we convince Jeremy to go and actually be a fan. Jeremy's the, the biggest Astros fan in the room. Oh, biggest. only in October. Literally the biggest. Oh. I think I, I, I think I think I've got thirty pounds on Hunter right now. Um, yeah, Austin. Austin that is, is a frightening realization. Austin is sweating profusely as we talk about the Astros. I just want our audience to know. But yeah, I know I am. I am excited about baseball season. I'm excited to see what the team's going to do. Of course, uh, can you I'll, name the starting rotation? Altuve. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it, man. That's all I got. Yeah, this guy, uh, Kate Upton's something or the other. So, we got, yeah, we'll talk about Astros opening day, which will be uh, Thursday in Arlington against the Rangers. Uh, we, we'll, what, uh, are you excited just because baseball is back or is because you are supremely confident the team is going to get back to the World Series? No, I'm, I'm just thrilled that baseball is back. Oh, you're such a nerd. I am. Such an I am. I, I own it. I mean, look behind you. There's a baseball poster thing that I've had since I was. Yeah, it's actually a picture of, of Austin in nothing but an underwear <laughs> underwear and a catcher's mask as a child. Yeah, hanging in his not, living room. Right? He looks off. like a, a whiter fat Jewish up there, actually. What? You know, you have fat Jewish on Instagram? <laughs> no, no what? Oh, no, I got you. I'm yo, sorry. You know what I'm talking me, it about. Took me, it, took me, it took me like four and a half seconds to. It's to the guy out. who's like the mankini banana hammock all the time pushing white girl rosé. <laughs> No, now I get it. I, okay. I thought you were making some kind of Charlottesville reference for a second. Oh. I was about to whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> what? Jeez. Uh, so, what is Cinco's there, Hunter? <laughs> all right. So the and the Astros. What are the Vegas odds on them repeating? They're number one, right? Yeah, they're the favorites right now in all of Major League Baseball. All just of Major the League Baseball. Okay. Fangraphs has them winning something like 101, 102 games. That's a lot. Run differential is over 120. They're projected wow. to have more than 120 run differential than the Yankees, which are what? currently slotted at number two. Which it, it's insane to me. Hold on, hold on. Wait, meaning there's no, no, there's no, no. So Fangraphs, they do projections, and you know one of the projections that they do with their metrics is run differential, and the Astros are projected to lead the league right. in run differential, and not only that, they're expected to lead. The Yankees by run differential of over 120 runs. No, that's part of that. I think is because what? no, no, no. Well, be. they play in a weaker division. I, I understand, but not by 120 runs. I'm not. That's abs- that's absurd. I know. That's I, I, I think I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, no, that's insane. I mean, um, but no, that, look, we, we talked about it. What was it two weeks ago? When, yeah. Whenever we last spoke about it, I, th- I think that 100 wins is is overly ambitious for this team. That's really hard to do, and also. That means everyone has to be healthy as well. That everyone you has can't to be have healthy. injuries. The division has to be starters. really bad. And the ALS is going to be better this year. Uh, the AL should be better this year, period. Um, so I think that like 95 wins is going to win them the division. So, oh, easily. Yeah. I think, I think they could probably win the division with 88, 89. I don't, I don't think the West is going to be yeah. that great. I think there's going to be some. No, we, we, t- we talked about this last year. No, the, yeah, an- the, yeah, yeah. The, the Angels are improved because of their health. The Mariners have a better lineup. Um, and the uh, sorry, uh, and the Rangers. And the Rangers are, are sort of by default better. Also healthier. Um, I think they have an improved pitching staff even without Darvish, actually, this year. Um, so, you know, it, it's just, it'll steal a few wins from the Astros. I also think that sort of classically, as we've seen in other sports, when there are teams that are in their prime, 
like the the Warriors or um, well, I guess that's I was about to name a lot of teams, and I realized I guess it's only the Warriors. <laughs> I, I, was, well, I mean, let's we'll, we'll talk about that because you know, the wait, wait, what I was, what I was going to say is that the guys that the the, you know, the managers and coaches of these teams now really have a good sense of how to conserve energy over the course of a year. AJ has been obsessive. That's that's sort of a pejorative way to put it. He's been devoted to yeah. making players more versatile this year, playing them out of position, stuff like that. Um, having all the pitchers use all the catchers in spring training, so that um, at any point in the season that there's an injury or a guy needs a day off, he can slot somebody in. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really smart, and it's the luxury of having a lot of roster depth. I also think that it it goes hand in hand with mm, I'm not going to say taking games off as much as not treating every game in baseball like it's every game in football. Um, I don't think it's that big of a deal if the Astros were to, you know, like lose a couple seemingly important games in this season. Like, they seem important to us as fans, but to but wind They're, they're it, focused on October. Yeah. The, the long Just game. get there. Yeah. Get there Giving healthy. Guys that's like, that's rest, everything. Yes, get there sending healthy. Sending guys to the DL it was, so they can... Yeah, and it was a lot of the reason why they were so conservative with Lance McCullers last year right. heading into the postseason, and gosh, did that pay off, you know, and et cetera, et cetera. So, so I, I, you know, we discussed it a few weeks ago when we were at Kirby Ice House about the Astros perhaps being primed to be the first team to repeat since the Yankees in the late 90s, early Somebody 2000s. Somebody in this room wrote a story I, I was about to say, Houston I was say, and then you that. followed it up and had a story last week in a Chronicle kind of discussing that uh, jeremy i don't know if you read it but <laughs> I, I was actually the one that read the story actually so uh, <laughs> yeah jeremy someone else's name went and by on it, no, and, and by the one you mean literally one you're literally the only one. person yeah to read that story yeah i took like half I, a bottle I read, of adderall I read and it. it just it just happened <laughs> <laughs> it's like every date i have um so yeah the, the, the odds repeating we, we've talked about it ad nauseum and the astros yeah. will hear it a lot fans will hear it a lot this year it has been 17 seasons since a champion has repeated, uh, I wrote a big story, all really from the viewpoint of Jeff Luna, yeah. the, the general manager, and the kind of, you know, creeping, near crippling anxiety that guy feels in trying to build this team and turn them into a winner, then turn them into a perennial winner, um, and then you know, explores why it's been so difficult for champions to repeat. Uh, you've got the extra wild card that was introduced, revenue sharing, uh, the focus on tanking so that teams lose to win. Uh, what's really remarkable is that the last five World Series champions in their following seasons have been around 500 at the All-Star break. Yeah, you had some really interesting nuggets in there. I'm um, all about nuggets. And, 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 you know, what Me was and Bucky's. What was it, 2007, I think you wrote about uh, you know, the Cardinals having the injury issues, you know, losing yeah, yeah, yeah. the starting well, don't, pitcher. Don't give away all the good okay. stuff. No, don't, come on. I won't give it away. The point, the point is that the story isn't just about the Astros. It's about, it's about why it is so difficult to repeat. Right. I interview uh, John Mosliak of the, Mos- Mosliak of the uh, Cardinals, Paul Molitor, manager of the Twins, who was on the repeat Blue Jays in the early 90s, and just to explore like, what makes it so difficult. You know, I mean, we, we would, you know, it's easy to say, it's just baseball. You know, you anything can happen. back. As well, I was literally just about to say, but I clear away the cliches. <laughs> that's right. It's only because they have a target on their back. Glad that champions glad I that can't back. repeat. That that's that's it. I, I actually I was thinking about this. Like, how weird would it be for the Astros to go back to back just like the Rockets did, and then all of a sudden nothing for another. You know, I thought you were going to say nothing for the Texans. Well, I, I don't. <laughs> that's guaranteed. Between you and me, I don't think that's happening. Um, just between you and me. Yeah. So. <laughs> But uh, let's see. I think uh, why, don't we, why don't we say, <laughs> Jeremy, you can jump in too. Uh, who we oh, think on the, who we think on the Astros, Austin? Do you think is going to have will compete for the league awards? I Carlos Correa this year, without question. Every, yeah. Everything about with him is about health, right? I, it's it's such a shame the guy cannot put together a whole season. But if he were to, best I, best hitter in the league. Yeah. So if I'm if I'm betting. On, Not that you do that. Yeah. If, if I'm betting on who I think is going to be the AL MVP this Not year. Not you ever would bet. I would say Mike Trout if he's healthy. It's, it's the safe <sighs> pick. Safe pick. Um, Jose Altuve, I think he's going to be up there, have another great season. All right. But, thank you for picking him. But I think, you know, like you said, I think Correa is the guy, if he stays healthy and continues to build on what we saw him do last year in the postseason. I mean, he was he was – arguably having an MVP season last year yes, prior to going out with the right. injury. And I don't know, maybe if he doesn't have that injury, uh, maybe Altuve doesn't win the MVP because they split votes. Who knows? Or whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's so easy to forget 
on a team that has so much talent, that has, yeah. so, has so much depth and great, so many great stories, that the most talented guy on the entire roster is, is Carlos Correa. You know, he's he's modern day A Rod. Yeah, and and it's also you know I didn't have you on to discuss this last week because before we after we recorded, I guess uh, Altuve had just signed mm. that oh, hundred fifty one yeah. million dollar contract. Extension. That was a good idea. Huge, <laughs> and I mean, uh, you know, he it'll take him through his age thirty four season, so in theory, still his prime. Uh, Carlos Correa is still under club control for a few more years. He's going to get paid. And, and, and I know. Let's, are the not, Astros, let's, let's, well, let's not here's poo-poo deal. on the here's fans the at the moment. That's going to depress but are, them. Are the Astros going to I don't, I don't continue like, to open up the checkbook? I, I mean, they it's like it three for, years away. Yeah, fair. Let's not. Okay. Who we'll talk about our, it in three like, years. Let's, let's, Carlos Correa has got to put together healthy seasons first. That's fair. Don't worry about that. Fair. Right now, it's it's all, you know, so roses. Talk about their postseason awards. I was like, but it's all roses and meadows and pastures for the ponies Green on the Astros. The show ponies. Yeah. We miss you, Derek. It's just, it's all, I miss you, Derek. We, we'll get him back. Um, but, but it's just, it's all such great news for the Astros right yeah. now. They are riding high. I, it's going to be interesting to see. A full season of Verlander. <laughs> I, but, I, I was, okay, I, I want to interject here. Oh, Jeremy. Speaking of, hey. speaking of Justin Verlander and all of these show ponies and whatever, um, what, what do you think fans in Houston can reasonably expect from the Astros this year? Because I know that I, I, I feel like as a, as a what sports... What should they expect or what deems a good season? W- well, maybe those are two different AL questions. Championship Series at a minimum. Yeah, okay. I agree. Okay, so they can, they can expect at least that. Because I, I'm thinking like... There's if, some if fans that, that still don't think this healthy. Is, right. There's some because all these curses were were broken last year with with the Astros winning the World Series. Right. You have Sports Illustrated, whatever, and then mm. of course you just, just had the city of Houston, curse. city of Houston sports yeah. curse. So you got the the Astros going to World Series champions. Um, you know, I, I I wonder from a fan's perspective because I'm thinking about attendance at at the day games. Oh, it's gonna be huge. Know? Yeah, it's gonna be huge. But you know, into the you, you get into that midseason grind, and are you gonna are you are you going to have a fan base that's as enthusiastic heading into Absolutely. the rest of the season? Absolutely, everyone. Mm. I think people. Want see, to be, I, I, yeah, see, see I, 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 that's a different question. That's I, a different question. The fan base versus the team, because a lot right. of it is also based on matchups. They've been criticized, and also the, the Astros fan base has been criticized uh, well right. for for not showing up. Like John, John McClain, who is who covers the Texans for the Houston Chronicle, and is a an enormous Astros fan, an Astros season ticket holder. We should, we should, God, we should have him on to talk about the Astros. That should be He's fun. great. He, look, he is, he is outspoken about fans not showing up at the ballpark. Well, it's the same with the Rockets. They don't show up for the Rockets either. Right. The only well, team that they show up for consistently. God, we are about to piss off every listener right now. No, it's true. I, don't look at me. I, I'm just the messenger. I mean, I can tell you last year when I went to the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder Rockets playoff game, I think it was like game three or something like that, uh, or whatever the first game was mm. here in Houston, that crowd was terrible. Mm. I mean, just the, the energy. There was no energy until the last two minutes. And I think ah, well, look, maybe postseason maybe, brings on a different element. But I, I, and also, and that, that, yeah, it's the, they're, they are a bona fide, well-marketed draw now. So maybe, maybe yeah. we'll see. But, but anyway. But, I, yeah. I, I, think, I think the city of Houston is a sports city and building right now. I think that, obviously, this... It's the fourth largest city in the U.S. I mean, why is it in building? Like, that's... Yeah, well, well, why is Miami, well, well, Miami's be, a crappy be, sports town. Well, in right. There. right. We've been, well, I, I think that the city has been so bad. Battered, I, I guess by <laughs> loss, you know, in the past few decades that we don't shit. know how to handle winning yet. You know, it, I, I think I think an important component of having a great city is having teams that can, can consistently win. And that's going to get truly younger fans to the games. I'd be like it. But and if the, and that if they, being said, let, let's be honest. Uh, we all bought, or at least I did, a bunch of Astros merch, and I yeah, can't don't, wear don't it. Don't say we. I can't. Don't put. There me is in a we. I didn't. Buy, I didn't buy any. Well, Astros. I bought a bunch for you. That's in my closet. <laughs> that with your name monogrammed on there. So um, I, I didn't want this extra. is sort of a weird place <laughs> to put me because I was going to surprise you. So, but, uh, uh, but big reveal. Lo- it's not going to happen. A lot of so. Just make sure anything leather is double XL. That mental image is not one that I wanted. <laughs> this is a very expensive mistake because it's not a double XL. That's the working title of your memoir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, when you were saying before, Austin, about, you know, are the Astros going to keep spending? It, it, I thought you were headed in the direction of saying how they have such a young roster now under oh, con- uh, yeah. control. Right? It's, it's insane. It is. Yeah. Bregman, Springer, Altuve, Correa. Did, there's such a good position to to be a perennial contender. The, the the pitching will be interesting though because 
on this, you know, I was, th- I was thinking about this the other day. The starting rotation does not have a lot of guys that are young and under contract, right? Their starting pitching actually is Whoa. built for it's built to win right now. Yeah, Keiko will be a free agent. I th- I think there's a. I don't think he's back. I was going to say less than fifty percent chance. I think he's going to New York. <laughs> but well, that came out of nowhere. What no, you, I think. What do you mean? I think the Yankees want him. Based they, on they based look. on your sources, based on <laughs> based just, on what? Just a hunch. Yeah, I, the hunch. Okay. I don't know because okay. I mean Keiko has dominated them. I can tell right now, uh, Yan- Yankees don't want a pitcher like that. Really? Yeah, they don't want like some thirty-three-year-old ground ball lefty. Keiko's not that old, is he? Yankees. Yankees. Let's talk to Derek Fogle. Yankees like show ponies, my friend. That's Their fair. ace throws one hundred miles an hour. Luis Severino. They don't. And, and also, ugh, I can't even begin. Anyway. No, he's not going to the Yankees. Moving on. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Keuchel, uh, so he's got a year left. Uh, Verlander, God, what, is he a free agent? He, he's after under this? club control for two years. For two years, for two yeah. seasons. Mm-hmm. Cole is under contract for two seasons. Morton will be a free agent after this season. Uh, McCullers, McCullers has, has a good contract, but obviously his health is, yeah, is They're, they're banking on the under, younger guys, like, uh, you know, Force Whitley developing. or uh, uh, who, who knows? The kid, the, the, the kid is 20 years old. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we're they're far from it. My point, Free was, my, the point I guys. was just going. All I was going to say is that part of the narrative of the team's potential to be a perennial contender relies on a very young group of position players. However, Luno has constructed this team and bolstered it, and they are working on depth right now explicitly because they actually are most primed to win this year, yeah. not next year, with this group of pitchers. So. Um, It'll be interesting to see if that kind of urgency is understood by the players. My, my story for the Houston Chronicle uh, explores this idea of, Paul Molitor discusses it, that you have to have a consciousness when you're trying to repeat about how you cannot waste time. You do not have the time you think you have to try to win. So, That's interesting. Uh, yes, yeah, so, and anybody can go out, please, whether it's buy a newspaper uh, the Houston Chronicle today. If you if you're lucky to hear this on the day this, or, I know I know everybody hates when I say this timestamp, but it's Sunday that we're recording yeah, this. Yeah. Our preview issue is on stands now. You can get everything online on HoustonChronicle.com. It's sitting right we, over there on my counter. Oh, you're so you're so I good. You're so generous. Thank you, man. Uh, I can see the, I can see the ink beneath your fingers. <laughs> Although maybe that's not ink. No. Um, yeah, no, and uh, we have our entire staff wrote stories about essentially every single player, every single uh, issue and topic on the team. Uh, it, is, it is the most bolstered look at the season uh, that you could get out there. So, so I, I want to give a quick cl- plug, I guess, for the Chronicle really quickly. Uh, you Isn't know, that what I just did? Yeah, but I'm, I'm saying as the season starts, I mean, it's, it's kind of a new staff in place covering the Astros this year with Jake heading over to the Athletics. So Who? One. Wow. Everyone already should follow you at Hunter Atkins thirty five, but uh, mainly for Corgi videos. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, but who, who's the uh, the new the beat new reporter? beat writer for the Houston Chronicle covering the Astros is a young guy named Chandler Rome, uh, born and raised in Louisiana, has an awesome Baton Rouge accent, super sweet, uh, super smart, incredibly hardworking. Uh, so please go out and follow him. I think it's just at Chandler Rome. Uh, that's Chandler. Rome. Uh, he also covered in Tuscaloosa. Covered the uh, uh, Alabama football program for two years. Uh, so you know he's used to dealing with a holes, <laughs> which is which is nice. Uh, but no, he'll be great, and I'm sure we'll, we'll get him on here. Yeah, at some point. absolutely. All right, Rockets basketball playoffs. Steph Curry. What? Other short, abbrevi- other other two syllable words. Yeah, this is hey, this is the opportunity the Rockets. We're talking about, and, and frankly, privately hoping for, of course, all year and in the offseason, right? This is what Daryl Morey was preparing for. Well, remember last year when we had Jeff Van Gundy on right before the playoffs, and he said, you know, that I, I think you were saying that, you know, the Rockets maybe have a puncher's chance against mm-hmm. Golden State, and then his response was something like, uh, you know, they're a tweaked ankle from Steph Curry away from potentially being that team that does have a chance against them. And now, now just, it's here. Yeah, well, the collection... The ankle, MCL injury. The, the, but the collection, too. So you've got Curry with the MCL sprain out three weeks. No, he'll be reevaluated Evaluated, you're right, excuse weeks. me. Right. And, and sure, the Warriors will play well in his absence during this time, but it, we're all thinking about uh, 
late May and June, right? right? How do these guys come back and play well enough to win a championship? Same thing for Clay Thompson, right? Yeah. And it's dumb. Like, um, what was, and Durant, was it two months ago that he was out? Well, I, yeah, I mean, he, and he's had you know injury issues a few years ago with Oklahoma City uh, that yeah. kept him out from the you know. Well, but but I mean, I mean, I mean season, even this but, year, right? I'm sorry, he's year. been hurt. So, <clears throat> so now we really are seeing, excuse me, <clears throat> the um, you know, the slow deterioration of guys that have played so many games, so many big pressure packed games year in year out. I mean, at some point, it has to take a toll, right? Um, not everybody is LeBron James, uh, the impenetrable, indomitable um, physical presence that who he continues is. to get better as he ages. Remarkable, but uh, as discussion the hairline recedes. A separate he gets discussion. Um, this is this is what the Rockets are waiting for, and coincidentally, yeah. of course, they're playing their best basketball at the exact same time. Um, the <laughs> um, you've got. And P- God, the emergence of PJ Tucker, yeah, he's and the quiet uh, push into you know the the closet of Ryan Anderson that has happened. It was it was a necessary evolution of this team. Um, they're, they're playing stupendously well at the exact right time. I, I I'm, some of it I think does have to do with a lot of their opponents are kind of rolling over. You know what I mean? They had an, an amazing, beautiful game against the Raptors recently. Well, not only that, but I thought they had a really good game against, against the, the Trailblazers. Oh, they're going to say Pelicans, week. too. Well, yeah. right. But I mean, Trailblazers, yeah, Trailblazers going on the road. Uh, Trailblazers had won, right. what, 13, 14 straight games? You're right. I take it back. You're right. Take it back. They've obviously had some outstanding games. I was, I was just thinking overall, the, the, the win streak they pulled off and, and yada, yada, yada. You know, second half of the season, there are teams yeah. that are not so interested. But um, it's, it's, all, it's all working just right for them. Uh, I think the, the biggest discussion, which, which has been a discussion for like two months now, is what's the rotation going to be? You know, ro- uh, roster depth really doesn't matter in the postseason because you end up only playing seven guys. Um, but the real strength of this team has been their ability to give different looks at, at whatever time they want, whether it's a, a superb offensive look with, when you surround Harden with... When you when you pair Harden and Chris Paul and surround them with Eric Gordon and even Ryan Anderson, you know, as 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 poor season as he's having as a deep threat, um, and or even you know, like Gerald Green as a spark plug with those and two he guys. He surprised me defensively. Man, so, I, I wouldn't. Uh, not not as like a, a stopper, but you know, a guy who can be pesky. Uh, we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna see him. Come, right. uh, Gerald Green will not uh, be featured in June. But, fair, fair. But 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 no, I. It's just that the strength of their season has been their variety. Their versatility, um, you know, D'Antoni's been brilliant with it. So I, I don't know how that translates to a game that slows down, that's more half court, that you know there are fewer turnovers in the playoffs, and, and the and the Rockets thrive on turnovers and transition. Um, so I, I I don't know. It's it's you know it's been the task that has eluded Mike D'Antoni for all of his incredible luminary you know decades in basketball. Um, I, I, and I, I don't know the team well enough, admittedly, to, to predict uh, how that will go. Although, we should, we should get Jonathan Fagan. The Rockets say, we should get him. Before we can you get know, him. he wrote an article after the, the Pelicans I know him. game, and, you know, it was discussing the Rockets winning a franchise best 59 right, games. Right. And I thought it was interesting because the players just didn't care. They, they, they had just had yeah. the greatest regular season, essentially, in, in club history. But, you know, they, they were able to blow past the Pelicans, who've been really hot recently with Anthony mm-hmm. Davis. Uh, Pelicans currently sitting in the, the sixth seed uh, with 43 and 31 record. Yeah, no, but they have their eyes in the playoffs. They've they've had, had, yeah, since, it, it's since not Chris just playoffs. It, it's title. Right. It's, 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 it's good. It's smart. Yeah. It, I mean, some of it is, is, is optics in the social media age where these guys kind of have to say that. But but yeah, there's a there's a good streak of authenticity to it. If the if the season ended today, where are the Rockets? Uh, who the Rockets? Who the Rockets play in the first and then potentially second round? Kind of a pesky matchup, I think. Uh, opening round would be against the Jazz. You know they they they've played well against the Jazz. It's, this it's one of the one of the slowest teams in the league, right? Which in terms of pace, not a great matchup for them. Uh, yeah, they didn't. And the Jazz, yeah, the Jazz killed them earlier in the season. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Second round, if if the playoffs were to start today. Would be either the Thunder or Spurs. Oh, wow! Thunder and Spurs are going to play first round as it sits right now. But here's the thing: yeah. from the three seed all the way down to, let's call it the nine seed, mm. they're only separated by four and a half games. Wow! 
So there's a lot of shuffling that can and likely will happen Who, in the next three weeks. Where are we at with the eighth seed right now in terms of other than the Jazz? Yeah, so the Jazz currently sitting on that eighth seed. Uh, Nuggets are game back. Uh, Clippers are two and a half back. Uh, but Oh, my God. That would be so fun. Yeah, that, w- that would be fun. Them. But a little bit closer, uh, Timberwolves are currently the seventh seed, and they're only a half game ahead of hmm. the Jazz. So uh, there's going to be a lot of fluctuation here in the next few weeks. Wow. I don't yeah, they're it's all. It's gonna be exciting. Well, if, if I had to choose, though, I probably wouldn't want to pay Timberwolves. Them. Yeah, as it sits right now, let's just go through the seeds. seven through ten. Yeah, yeah as as it sits right now, Rockets one, Warriors two. That's not also changing. the Wolves. Are they the Timberwolves? No, yeah. the Wolves. Timberwolves. Yeah, they're the Timberwolves again. Yeah. All right, my bad. So Blazers three, Thunder four, Spurs five, Pelicans six, Wolves seven, Jazz eight. That's what about current, nine and ten? Nine and ten is currently Nuggets Clippers. I think I think if you're the Rockets, you want the uh, the Wolves. Yeah, I think so too. I know, no, I know it's sort of unpopular to think that because they have, they seem to have so much talent. But Rockets play them really well. Um, they're so inconsistent, especially shooting. Holy crap, such an inconsistent team. Um, and defense, God, their defense stinks. Yeah. So uh, that's probably that's probably who the Rockets. And the Jazz have been. Jazz look, well since you don't, Christmas, and you don't want to. And playing them on the road sucks. That's a tough place yeah, to play. Always, that's a bad spot for for. But but the, mainly the the pacing is what's the issue. I think the Jazz are the slowest pace in the NBA, and gosh, tougher. And like we said before, fewer turnovers, slower game in the playoffs. Uh, that'd be an annoying first test for for the Rockets. They, I'm not suggesting they would lose, but to lose a game. Maybe even two. It's like all that stuff chips away at how much rest you can have. And right. if everything is geared toward taking advantage of the Warriors, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the you Rockets want a series, and the Jazz yeah, they want, and they that. want as much rest right. as possible, especially for you know Chris Paul and uh, and James Harden. Yeah. So playoffs, it's a, it's just around the corner. Uh, and James Harden will win the MVP. Let's like right. Yeah, I think the, I think the argument right now is who finishes second. Does well, it matter? Is Anthony Davis that guy? I I personally don't really care if he wins the MVP either. But it's interesting how I think it's good for the fans. You know, is it good for the Rockets? It is good for the Rockets. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I I mean, I think it's more of a fan award. I I think. Yeah, yeah, he's been outstanding. I I think I think LeBron deserves so much consideration. I'm sure I'd be considered a heretic for saying that. But he's having arguably the best season of his career. It's also such a crappy team. Not good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we, it, I think it's kind of funny in how spoiled and defense. We've been. And, yeah. Well, it, it, it's indicative of how spoiled we've been of LeBron and the yeah. talented teams that he's been on that we say they're not having a great year and they're currently sitting in the three seed. And does he have a career high assist this year, I think? Too? Yeah, I believe so. Just so awesome. Um, all right, so that'll be good. And then, and then we're wrapping up on Sunday. The, uh, the Final Four is almost complete, right? We, have, we got Michigan. Chicago Loyola. Sister Jean. Oh, God, am I so tired of her. <laughs> we tried to get her on the show, but she Nova. declines. What is that? Nova. Jeremy. Oh, my God. Hey, Jeremy. I'm hey, here. here. Jeremy's I'm, I'm here. Sorry, guys. As soon as you mentioned Sister Jean, <laughs> I, uh, Jeremy perked sorry, up. Sorry, I have a little bit of drill on my face. I fell asleep there. Um, yeah, that was so, from thinking about dreaming about Sister Jean. So if, you, if you're a college basketball fan. Uh, yeah, we are recording... Uh, during the Kansas-Duke game. So three of the four teams are set. Kansas-Duke... Not set at this point. So, so, yeah. All right, so we got Michigan, Michigan, Chicago Loyal, and Villanova. Yeah. My condolences to the Texas Tech Raiders. They went far <laughs> this year. No, no congratulations. I mean, hell of a season. No, I think. Um, Texas A&M got whooped, too. Molly whooped. I, I didn't shed a tear, nor did I care. <laughs> uh, but, no, I, the, the Red Raiders, though, they were not very good. How about yeah. how about this, though? U of H. Then this year. U of H. I think they had a hell of a season. They don't lo- don't, don't well, bring up... They we're talking about the Final Four. Well, I was don't bring say, up a team that... Michigan, lo- it took a three-pointer at the buzzer by a freshman for Michigan to win that game. And now Michigan's going to the Final Four. So I think, if, you know, that, that's kind of cool to see U of H basketball back. It's so funny. U of H fans, I think, feel differently, Austin. They hate that... Essentially, they were that, that, that they that, were that close, and also to to describe that shot by unbelievable Jordan Poole, yeah, as but to describe it as it was a also three pointer defense. at the buzzer by the freshman that doesn't capture the total BS. Like close your eyes, heave that 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 shot was that was not yeah. a shot. It was it was a it was a spastic it was a prayer. You know, uh, trebuchet. I'm well, sorry, words, guys. Though. Google translate. Yeah, translate. Sorry. Get out your Merriam-Webster. <laughs> but that that shot was absurd. That that went. In. It should never have gone in. So yeah. that's why uh, UH fans are really 
Yeah, PO'd at the moment. Well, I, I but back back to Loyola Chicago real quick. Uh, I was in Chicago on Monday and Tuesday this week. So you're an expert. Well, no, I mean this is before the Sweet Sixteen had even taken place. But they, you know, they had kind of shocked the world. You know, being an 11 seed, making yeah, it to the yeah. second weekend, now making it to the Final Four. But it was kind of fun to see you know people in Chicago who flat out told me they weren't college basketball fans like rally behind this small school, this small team. And, you know, I'd be really curious to see what the vibe is in Chicago right now as the team's heading to the Final Four in San Antonio next week. Oh, yes, yeah, San Antonio. San Antonio. Riverwalk. It's also, Good it, place to go, by the way. The Riverwalk? What it's, next? Times Square you're going to recommend? No, I mean, I think the Riverwalk is a fun place to go before a game. Uh, allegedly, we went there before the... Uh, Just to see a lot of out-of-town white people? Like, what, what, what's the advantage of the Riverwalk? There's more diversity there. On the Riverwalk? Yeah. Okay. We spent a lot of time drinking before the uh, Alamo Bowl a few years ago. I was told we had a good time, had a few hurricanes. It's a great environment before sports game. The police report also <laughs> says you had a good time. I was gonna, yeah, I was that's, that's the last time I'm bailing you out, Austin. Like Fake the news. last time. Fake news. Actually, actually, so I was in Oklahoma City this weekend for a wedding, and uh, it was one of my really good friends. Humble brag. And <laughs> who, who brags about a wedding go in Oklahoma on, go on, go on. City? But anyways, it was one of my really good friends, and I so kind of tying a full circle to the uh, the Alamo Bowl a few years ago. Uh, I was so drunk before kickoff that I pulled out my wallet. I needed some sort of food, and I gave him my wallet. It was right after Christmas, so I had like a few hundred dollar bills, and I was like, "He's like, what do you want, man?" And I was like, "Just just order me something. I trust you not to take the money and run." <laughs> like, I just had no concept of like what was being ordered. And then I finally like sobered up and saw Baylor win like what was it sixty five to fifty or something like that. Robert Griffin's last game, but yeah, Riverwalk fun experience from what I remember. You've just given me a brilliant idea for a new segment on the show. We should we should include at some point in every podcast. Just um, one of us tells a drunk story. Let's do it. I could I could tell I could tell several stories. Being right sitting right here in this chair. <laughs> Make sure what we're it doing this podcast. Your podcast, right? Yeah, it's the wingling. It's like uh, it's 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 like the drunk history sponsored segment here on the Weekly Brew. Oh my god! In the background, we see Stormy Daniels sitting down for an interview with Anderson Cooper. Sorry, we'll I talk about that next week. Wow. All right, sorry, and we're not sorry, even sorry. paying for it. Look at that! <laughs> it's free, guys. <laughs> On that we're note. supposed to disclose that. <laughs> On that note, but yeah. No, uh, all right, so final four. I know. God, I feel so bad for anybody listening because the truth is, I, I'm I'm not an expert in college basketball. It's such I a terrible product compared to the NBA. And don't don't people are whoa, gonna, whoa, you are going to lose whoa. a lot of listeners. Austin. Oh, I don't think so. I you I, like college basketball more than the NBA. Uh-oh. I calm I, down. Calm down. No, I, it's not. It's. I just find it more interesting. Don't I, don't. This is this, 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 this was, is this is a okay. Let's just leave it there. What let's I was going to there. say is. I am not enough of an expert, but it would be awesome to see Chicago Loyola get to the get to the championship and oh, yeah. lose Absolutely. and lose because I want I cannot take any more of the sister gene. <laughs> I just what a I uh, got just a softball, a soft toss to media as a media darling that she is. I uh, thank you. Wonderful. Every school she, has ninety five year old fans. She's ninety eight. Ninety eight. She's ninety eight. She bald. Respect. I'm ready to move on. I can't. I, I just think. Hunter hates a rabbit hole. Sister no, Jean. Sure. <laughs> no, you know here's you know what I don't like is that in the mad scramble to get clicks, to get traction, to get eyeballs, every single publication. Are you saying she's clickbait? Without question, clickbait, jailbait, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> she Jeez. is. Just, she, I mean, you know, she is just the, the media. And and I say it as somebody who obviously works in media. I, I hate seeing that every single publication is just hounding for stories going, about her. Going on and, we're, and we were just talking about Stormy Daniels. It's so funny. I mean, every every publication hounding for stories. And oh, that she, old cliche: the sister Jean Stormy Daniels comparison. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are, 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 they, are, they, are they the same person? <laughs> We've never seen them in the same place before. Oh, conspiracy theory founded. Right yeah, here. so are you going to take this to Alex Jones now, Jeremy? I don't need to take it to Alex Jones. Oh, so we're we're going to one-up Alex Jones <laughs> at this point. Well, you talking about being drunk on the air, so. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I guess we don't have final four predictions because we don't know enough. Yeah, right. No, yeah, right, I want to, like I said, I want to see Lulu. And then I'm, so, I'm such an idiot. They play uh, Michigan? Yeah. Okay. Yep. On Saturday. And then... Uh, 
And then Villanova and then, then will play the winner of Kansas Duke. Ooh. So the national championship oh, will so be gonna, Monday night. Gonna, but we're going to get traditional powerhouse teams yeah. on that side. Okay. Yeah, which is nice. Oh, my. Ugh, Michigan, I mean, a few years ago, they were I guess the I'm rooting for Villanova game. because no. I cannot take the hypocrisy of Duke and, and, and Mike Krzyzewski. It would be the, you know, it would the, be the Grecian, second win. The black Grecian hair dye that that guy <clears throat> uses, if he sneezed, you would get ink on your face. I just, I don't understand. He can't have one gray hair. He's 65 years old, Mike Krzyzewski. All right, on that note. Anyway, that's, that's my take. I want, uh, yeah, I want Villanova to win it all again. That'd be fun. That would be back-to-back for them. Yeah. Well, cool. two out of three years. Uh-oh. Who won last North year? Carolina won last year. Oh, boy. Uh, As if I can remember. And then Villanova won it With here in shot. Houston. With the three-pointer. And that last-minute shot. That, see, that was a three-pointer. That was fun. That was a shot. That was fun. I sound like, I sound like my grandfather. That was a three-pointer. Okay. <laughs> All right, so uh, obviously stay tuned for the interview with uh, Eric Winston here in just a few moments. Uh, we're g- great discussion with him. I hope you really enjoy that conversation. Astros, I have a guarantee. Guarantee. I have a guarantee. Yeah. We're going to get Daryl Morey on the podcast before the postseason, for the Rockets postseason. Stay you heard tuned it here. for that. Stay tuned That for was that. not a drunk story. That's, a, that, that's real news, not fake news. Don't even. He's, all right, fair. <laughs> but uh, Astros, again, open up uh, the 2018 season in Arlington on Thursday. Justin Verlander will get the ball. Charlie Morton opens up the, the home slate for the Astros we'll here be next at Monday. Exhibition game on should. Monday. Yeah. It should if be a lot of fun. If anybody is listening, find me. I'll be bored. Tweet him at Hunter yeah. Atkins 35. At Hunter Atkins 35. For real. It's an exhibition game. Yeah. I already have my story written. It's about something else. So, uh, yeah, find me. Go find oh, some of the new me- food, too, at the ballpark. Okay, that I can't. I'm trying to watch my weight. All right, fair. Because I, when I stress eat, which happens every time I enter that ballpark, <laughs> I unlo- it, and, and Jake Kaplan, formerly the Houston Chronicle, currently of uh, some publication I don't know, um, <laughs> will attest that I, I will load up a... It's definitely two cups worth. Uh, like this one giant uh, plastic cup worth of soft serve ice cream. I just r- I rip through probably two, maybe even three of those. It's terrible. It's impressive. Anytime ice cream gets poured out of a bag into a machine, you shouldn't probably. I'm eat just much gonna of crush it. So that's going to begin. Do, so if you're listening, do not take me to eat. Do not get me anything. <laughs> I will already be sweating through my shirt, uh, hating myself for, for for beginning an enormous amount of weight gain that will. If all things go right for the Astros, last through November. <laughs> um, so, so, but yeah, I'll just say hello. Find us. I don't. I don't get the sense that anybody knows who I am. So it'd be nice to make me. Oh, friends. we put a picture of you on Instagram this past week. <laughs> boost. Bo- that's my Tinder boost right there. We should. We should do a sponsored post. Would you like to go on a date with this guy? That's how oh, we're. We will lose sponsors so fast, <laughs> especially if they look up my record. <laughs> All right, anyway. All right, so Eric Winston coming up next. Uh, if you want to follow our work, just search Weekly Brewcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Also, uh, subscribe to the website, Weekly Brewcast. Read the Houston Chronicle. Read the Houston Chronicle. Follow Hunter. 2018 Astros preview. Everything you could you can eat. I profiled Derek Cole, uh, Garrett Cole. Derek Cole? Is that like Sorry. Derek Fogel? <laughs> Garrett Cole. He's hybrid. always on my mind, the Fogels. <laughs> <laughs> the folk, the folk. But but no, I, I profiled Garrett Cole in a story that I I, I think any, I do not think anybody uh, has read about him before yeah. about his incredible brain. Uh, we've got and you've talked about that the last few few weeks. We've so had check you. it out. Yeah, so check that out. So subscribe to the Chronicle and also uh, get ready for the interview here with Eric Winston. We'll have him on in just a few minutes. So it's time to sit back, relax, be informed. You're listening to The Weekly Brew. Joining us now on The Weekly Brew podcast is Eric Winston, who you might remember uh, a few years ago as the uh, right tackle for the Houston Texans. He spent the last four seasons with the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, and uh, Eric was just recently reelected as the president of the NFL Players Association for, what is it, the third term? Is that, is that correct? Yeah, third term. Well, congratulations on that. Uh, you know, kind of, I don't know, it's kind of like we're having a politician on the podcast. But, uh, Eric, you know, for those that aren't familiar, uh, you know, with the NFL Players Association and what your role is as the president, uh, can you kind of give us a brief summary of, you know, kind of what your day to day role is with the NFLPA? Yeah, so quite simply, the NFLPA uh, bargains the wages, the hours, working conditions, and health and safety on behalf of the NFL players with uh, the management and ownership of the NFL. So anything that comes into that, economics, et cetera, uh, get bargained into a document called the Collective Bargaining Agreement, the CBA that a lot of people hear about. And uh, that covers pretty much the complete business arrangement uh, on all those topics, plus probably a little bit more 
between the players, which are, you know, in, in essence, labor, and with management, uh, who are owners. So that's uh, that's what the NFLPA does. Uh, obviously, there's a lot more functions. We do a lot more. But at its basic core, um, that's what we do. As the president, I'm the elected um, leader of the players. Uh, we have a bifurcated system where the, the president, constitutionally speaking, uh, via the NFLPA, is the lead bargaining arm, uh, is the uh, is the one that really signs off on everything. But we also have a, a day-to-day manager uh, called the executive director. Now, our executive director is a guy by the name of Demora Smith, and he is responsible for not only strategy and, and helping uh, the legal processes and everything else, the communications and, and all of that along on a, on a daily basis, but he also runs the office. And, and we have um, more employees than I think a lot of people would think um, because we have a for-profit arm called Players, Inc. We obviously have the, the, the legal union. And, uh, and so he is responsible for the hiring, firing, uh, the day-to-day operations, everything that goes into running a, uh, a business, so to speak, a union um, like this. So uh, that's sort of, in a nutshell, my role. And then, obviously, as you understand, the executive director's role. Uh, I am elected uh, by all 32 teams. So every team has a representative that, that the team, uh, that the guys on that team vote as their representative. And then those representatives uh, voted me in. So that's how all that happened. And that's sort of the, uh, the, the overview of it. Well, congratulations on getting reelected just a uh, a few weeks ago, and and you know with the the CBA coming up in what 2021, I believe, and you know a, a lot of issues sort of impacting the NFL in the last few seasons, whether it's you know sports and politics, whether it's uh, you know for example Kirk Cousins with the franchise tag and then getting a fully guaranteed contract. What do you see as the the big issues for the NFLPA uh, as we get closer to 2021, and you know specifically in the 2018 season? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think. In any negotiation, uh, especially surrounding uh, business terms, uh, money is always going to be a, a big driver of that, right? I mean, let's not be let's not be crazy about it. Uh, you know, that's always going to be um, part of it. And the economic systems, free agency, speed to free agency, et cetera, that surround those. So um, that's that's going to be a big talk. Obviously, the, you know, the players want ninety nine percent of the revenues. The ownership wants ninety nine percent of the revenues, and we got to figure out. Um, what the right split is uh, via those economic and business terms that we come to. Um, obviously, speed to free agency is always an issue, uh, especially with the younger players. You want to be able to get there as fast as possible. Ownership wants to, um, you know, restrict you forever. So that's uh, some of the give and take uh, when we talk about that. Uh, off the field, obviously, you have health and safety. You have those issues, and, and we continue to look and say, okay, from a from a scientific medical perspective, what is the best things going forward? What are the best practices we can we can put in, and and not just uh, the rules on the field, but uh, what can we be doing to prevent uh, injuries, and, and not just concussions. Obviously, concussions has dominated the uh, the, the conversation, and it's a huge part of it. But obviously, our men after they transition out of football live with a lot of different ailments, whether it's uh, knees, uh, hips, ankles. It's those sort of things that, that that impact daily life as well that we want to make sure that we're trying to um, do, uh, uh, you know, catch as early as we can. And then, obviously, uh, medical issues as far as rehab and um, making sure all 32 teams uh, have adequate medical care and uh, and therapeutic care. And that's, uh, that is something that's big because, obviously, all 32 teams run independently of each other, so the quality – from team to team can actually vary uh, by a lot, if you can imagine that. So that's something also that is um, that we try to make sure is is tracking in the right direction. Uh, so there's there's a lot when you start talking about a renegotiation and what's going to happen, and, and this one's going to be different from the one before, and the one before was different from the one before that. So um, there's a lot to do, and there's a lot to talk about coming up. But again. Those are some of the highlights I think that we'll be talking about. You know, you mentioned concussions and, you know, as a, you know, a, a fan of the Texans here, uh, you know, there was a game late in the season. I can't remember who the Texans were playing, but I think it was right before halftime and Tom Savage just, you know, got knocked the hell out in the end zone. And when he came up, it just looked like when he was on the ground, it just looked like he was convulsing. And then, you know, he was put back in the game before ultimately, you know, not being reinserted in the second half. I mean, 
what is the league doing, if anything, to actually, you know, I don't know, m- mitigate any risk towards concussions or? Yeah, so that's actually called fencing, which I obviously learned uh, from that unfortunate um, that act is called fencing from uh, that unfortunate incident. Um, so we've 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 pushed for a concussion protocol for now the last five, six, seven, eight years, and a real true protocol that covers it. And this and the one thing I think that I think is great is you know we've had a lot of push from the media for ownership to do the right thing. I mean, it took us two years to convince ownership and 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 basically in a lot of ways I hate saying it shame ownership into having an independent neurologist on the sidelines. Uh, so it's not always in, uh, the easiest of, of ask sometimes when you're talking about these things, when you think, oh, well, that's easy. Why can't you just do that? And sometimes it's not that easy. So we've always, uh, we always think that that's important going forward. But the concussion protocol is something that we're always looking to improve. And that's a perfect example in the sense of the guys on the sideline don't get the TV copy. So the TV copy was showing the fencing, right? And everybody saw that on TV and said, oh, man, how are you not coming in the game? Well, nobody else saw that. So the people on the sideline are looking at video of the game and looking at video that they're, they have, um, that they have access to. Well, no, we never imagined a scenario in which they needed access to just the TV copy. And so that's, uh, that's a situation where after that, we immediately moved it, um, to where the, the unaffiliated neuro, uh, neurospecialist has uh, access now to the TV copy as well on the sidelines. So um, it's it's unfortunate that he went back in. It's not right, um, but we're we're committed. I know as as the players' association to make sure that it's as perfect as it can be. And I always say as it can be because again, I, I believe that there's so many scenarios, there's so many things going on that we've we've done. I, I forgot how many. Um, how many, we, how many uh, examinations over last season that we did? A, a lot of examinations. Obviously, pulled a lot of guys off the um, off the field. 100% is the is the target, and 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 letting a guy go back in the game or having a guy slip through the protocol crack, cracks will never be okay. Um, and and th- those are those instances that we got to get right and get better. And we've changed the protocol since to make sure that that doesn't happen. But that's in that instance, that's what we're trying to do. Uh, but it's also important too. I think we're trying to do a lot of things with helmets and 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 make sure that the best practices are used with the right helmets. Obviously, helmets can't prevent concussions, but there are better helmets than others, and we need to make sure that our guys know the information the right way and that they're using the best helmets possible. And then, obviously, on the other side, when you talk about when you do sustain a concussion, what's the best way to treat it? How can we help those guys out? And, and what are the what's the quickest and best way to diagnose it? So. There's a there's a broad spectrum when we talk about concussions, but that is definitely um, that's definitely something that we're continuing to push forward uh, unabashedly. Eric, and that's really great to hear about uh, player safety. But thinking about um, contracts in the NFL, you know, in other sports, uh, it would appear there's not as much risk to the body, um, and so you have guaranteed contracts in like baseball and basketball. But um, recently, there's been discussion of guaranteed contracts becoming uh, having a bigger role in the NFL. Do you see that? Um, in the future of the NFL coming up here in the next few seasons? Well, I, I you know, the, I always try to teach this history lesson when we start talking about guaranteed contracts because it's important. And I always make this point not to pass um, the buck at all or to pass uh, responsibility, but to make the point to players when they start talking about guaranteed contracts and, and also fans that try to point this out that nowhere in any sports CBA mandates that a player gets a guaranteed contract, not in the NBA not in Major League Baseball, not in hockey. They get guaranteed contracts because a while back, some players said, I'm not playing unless you guaranteed my contract. And in a way, Kirk Cousins did the same thing in the sense of, I'm not signing any sort of a long-term deal until someone guarantees my contract. And that's where we've been trying to educate and let people know and let guys and let the guys in the locker room know that if we want to push towards that or we want to push towards a world in which, you know, and it doesn't have to be all or nothing, right? It can be 60% guaranteed or 70% guaranteed or 80, you know, anything in there, depending on your market value is, but, but at the end of the day, the, the leaders, the Kirk Cousins of the world have to push it first. And then it, and then it ends up trickling down. And that's something that I was really proud to see. Uh, Kirk, Kirk was a principled guy. He believed that that was right, 
and he was willing to do whatever it took to get put himself in a position to get that guaranteed contract. I applaud him. I applaud his his steadfastness, uh, steadfast uh, outlook on that, and he accomplished his goal. and uh, And I I think it goes to show you that that's the blueprint that if a player wants a guaranteed contract, that he can play his way towards that. And I think we'll, we're going to see that happen. Hopefully, we see it more happen. Hopefully, we see that. But every, but I also say this on the other hand: every guy is responsible for his business decisions in in, in that in that silo in, in his his life. So it might not be right for a guy to keep playing something out. He might want to take an extension that has some money to where he's going to see it early on. That might change his life. I'm not going to sit here and say that every single guy needs to play out every single contract because that's the only way to do it. Every guy's got to make a business decision. And I say that from the moment you get, the moment you step off the field of your last college game, even, even before that, you're making business decisions that are going to affect your NFL life, whether you should play in that bowl game or not, whether you should go to that pro day, whether you should go to the combine. All of those are business decisions that you've got to make, that you've got to do it to make sure that you're putting yourself in the best position, uh, to maximize your earnings and, and do what's right for you and your family. And so we'll see how it goes on from there. Like I said, it was right for Kirk, and we'll see how other guys approach it now coming up. So two years ago when the Super Bowl was in Houston, or I mean, I guess it was a little more than a year ago, um, I wrote a story about how former players considered medical cannabis and cannabinoids uh, a panacea for their chronic pain. The NFL Players Association announced at the time that they would be doing their own study on it. Where are we now from the NFL PA's point of view with uh, cannabinoids and cannabis. I remember having that conversation with you, and, and, and it's, it's ongoing, but obviously we're learning and learning a lot more about it, and we can tell guys exactly, hey, this is what we know, this is what we don't, but we're also on a, a further path uh, when we start talking about um, the painkiller lawsuit that's out there, what the teams are willing and aren't willing to say. Uh, it's been a tooth pull every step of the way to get them to produce documents that they're supposed to produce, and that is uh, that's something that you can obviously uh, decipher for yourself why and why not, right? So um, I think that's going to be a, a topic over there, like what we're talking about too. When I and when I talk about therapeutic options earlier, you know, you start talking about are opiates good for everybody, you know? And and and, and obviously there's a place, and and the uh, and doctors will tell you there's certain instances where hey, we've got to prescribe a narcotic. The, the pain is too much, but it might not be the right thing for everybody. And I think we also got to move to a world where we're asking this question is, if you have to take that pill to play, then why, then you shouldn't be playing, right? We live in a culture where it's always, hey, you got to do whatever it takes to play. And, and, and you know, and, and if you can't walk on your knee in 20 years, well, that's just the price it was. That's, I think that's a, a that's a fallacy. And that's a, that's a, that's an argument that shouldn't be, that shouldn't be there. And I, I, I think we've got to do a better job of of talking about what that really means. If you can't play, you can't play. But that doesn't mean that you should be risking, um, you know, some sort of uh, addiction even or uh, going forward anything that taking having to take something that you don't want to take or it's not right for you to take in order to play. And so obviously these things all loop in together when you start talking about contracts and everything like that. But I can tell you that I'm, I'm, I'm confident that some of that stuff will be uh, talks going on and 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 seeing what the seeing what what is right for everybody going forward. So, what are the uh, early indications from that cannabis study? Uh, I'm not going to get too far into them. Obviously, it's it's preliminary. I don't want to speak on anything until we've 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 drafted a final document on it. I don't think that's probably the right way to go about it. Um, obviously, we can tell we we've learned a lot. We still there are still uh, I can tell you there's still parts of of cannabis and of uh, of that that are a little bit unknowns, right? I mean, so uh, you can't just say, "Hey, well, we don't know anything about it, but it's probably okay for you," something like that. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait in, until the full, so the full context comes out, and uh, and then maybe we'll circle back and talk about it some more then. Eric, one of the big storylines coming out of uh, particularly this past season uh, was player political speech in the game and how that's affected the league. What is your what is your take on uh, player protests or just player political speech and how is it how, how might it affect the league going forward? Yeah, you know, I said four years ago when I uh, if I could do one thing, I wanted to get guys to understand how much power they really had. You know that that they can uh, they're able to open their mouth 
and and people will listen. And that's and that's power, right? I mean, that's re- that's really what when you can when you can speak about something, anything, and people listen to that and look and and re- perceive that as uh, um, authoritative speech in a lot of ways. That's something that could be used for good, and and not just in collective bargaining. But in our communities and what's going on in our communities, and and I don't just look at that as as what's going on in the social justice realm. But you think of what what JJ Watt did by using social media to affect um, uh, families that were uh, ravaged by Hurricane Harvey, and and guys in South Florida that raised money, and 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 everywhere that that guys are doing those things every day in their communities are important, but. And, and it, but when you start circling back to the social justice issue and guys standing up for what they believe in, I think it's powerful. I think it's, I, I think good on them. I, I think I, I try to tell guys, whatever you believe in, be willing to speak up. And, and if you believe in it that much, be willing to speak up and, and talk about it because it's, I think it's important and it doesn't have to just be on social justice. It could be on something else. It can be on something that, that you, you just feel personally affected by. And, uh, and, and we're, we're there to help craft that message and help that message for you. It might not be a union prerogative or a union issue necessarily, but we're always there for our players to help them. And we're going to help them in any way we can on any issue they can. Bob McNair uh, last season received a lot of negative publicity for what he was quoted in that uh, private owners meeting saying, what is the reputation of Bob McNair among players today? You know, that's a good question. Obviously, I haven't been with the Texans in a while and, and uh, not sure, you know, probably where things stand in that locker room necessarily vis-a-vis Bob McNair. I can tell you what I've seen and obviously and uh, what I've heard. Obviously, I was there for a few of the things that have been said, and I know Dwayne Brown referenced some of those meetings that were in there. And, um, you know, I think we're all complex humans, and I don't use that to, to, as a cop-out. I mean, obviously – Bobby Nair's done a lot of unbelievable good in these cities, and and I also think there's a generational aspect to this. But you also can't say no matter what you can't say some of these things. Now, um, that was in a you know what was said about the inmates and this and that were said in an owners meeting. I don't you know I'm not going to sit here and say it was or wasn't taken out of context. I don't know, but frankly you know you if you have enough of those, obviously you, you stop you stop getting the benefit of the doubt. And I think that's what's happened a little bit with some of the guys is you haven't, you don't get the benefit of the doubt anymore because it's not the first time it's happened. And so that's where I think, I think where some of the guys are at. I know um, that's where some of us felt like, and that's just, that's just what it is. It's unfortunate. Um, but it, you know, that's, that's sort of how I look at it. Yeah, very interesting. And again, uh, you know, you spent a handful of seasons uh, starting with your rookie year in 2006 with the Texans. And again, the last four seasons with Cincinnati. What's next for you in 2018? We'll see. I'm still, uh, I'm still deciding. Um, you know, we'll, uh, you know, obviously that urge to compete and to play, I think, will always be there. At what point is it, is it right to step aside and, and, uh, <laughs> and let the, let the young bucks keep going as, uh, is something that I need to figure out and, and I'm in the process of doing that right now and working out and those things like that. So, uh, I'm not sure yet. I think whenever I decide to, uh, to, uh, put the cleats away, I, you know, I'm, I'm always thought about going back to school and maybe getting a, a my MBA or something like that, or, uh, or doing something of an advanced degree. It's all for whatever reason, the last five years that's become very appealing to me is the continuing education aspect or thought of that. Um, obviously doing the work with the union, no matter what this next two years, whether I'm playing or not, I'm going to, I'm going to be fighting and, and, and scratching and clawing and, and be outspoken uh, about the, the rights of my guys and, and what I believe in and what I, and, and keep fighting for them to get uh, a fairer shake than they are now. So it, that's, uh, that won't change no matter what, whether again, whether I'm playing or not, but, uh, I'm in the middle of, of, of deciding whether it's, uh, whether it's time or not, but uh, there's been some teams that have that have reached out and seen kind of where I'm at. So we'll just we'll take it from there. Eric, just after hearing some of your remarks and some of uh, your, I, I think great analysis on you know some of the questions that we asked you, uh, it, it seems that uh, you know I, I could easily see you making the transition from sports to politics. Is that something that you've considered? You know what? It's uh, it's something that I I, I am I'm I, I follow politics and I I, I always. Unfortunately, I view politics in this lens. I think a lot of people are now transitioning, and maybe it's a good time to hop in because of it. That it's that it's a little bit of a, a broken vegetable, and that there's other ways to 
to make the changes that you want, maybe outside the political system, and, and maybe they're actually more effective because of that. Um, it's it's become this uh, contest of who can win and who can get elected and who can't get elected instead of who can help the most and and how can we come together and figure out all of these differences to actually help people and that's what I think what's really struck me and maybe it's always been like that and I've just matured to the point where I realized what everybody else did but I there was a time for me where I felt like um you know I, I thought oh man you know politicians those guys can really affect people and can help people and and I don't necessarily feel like it that way, but I also see a lot of people outside politics on those fringes and whether, whether it's a special lobbying group or whatever that are doing some pretty special things and affecting people in a real way. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what I, I'm excited about the future, no matter, again, whether I'm playing in the next year or two or not. But um, I'm, uh, I'm excited about uh, about trying to uh, trying to move the needle here still with the NFLPA for the next couple of years and then. And then see what's next because uh, I got a lot of passion and, and like I said, and and helping uh, helping uh, people and, and looking after people and, and wanting to wanting to do that. And I think that's a that's something that's a lot of fun for me. So we'll we'll see what the future holds on that. Well, you you have our endorsement from the Weekly Brew here, so that's at least three votes, or or maybe it's only two because Jeremy has a felony record. But but other than that, you know, that's at least two. Thank you so much for taking the time, Eric. Where can people find you uh, on Twitter or social media, Instagram, anything like that? Yeah, just I'm um, at Eric Winston on Twitter, and that's why I try to keep it to, to to one to one thing for right now, and maybe I'll hop on the other ones at some point. But at Eric Winston on Twitter. Uh, for some musings and other things like that. But uh, yeah, that's it. So I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for the time. Closing time. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Eric Winston. Uh, great conversation with him covering a, uh, a variety of topics from, uh, you know, player safety, uh, concussion protocol in the NFL, sort of uh, what the NFL Players Association is uh, looking to accomplish in Eric's uh, next term his third term as the president of the NFLPA. Also some interesting conversation uh, regarding cannabis uh, as well. Uh, Again, Hunter wrote on that story for player recovery uh, after the Super Bowl, or actually during the Super Bowl here in Houston about a year and a half ago. But a great conversation with him. Also uh, kind of timely. So we recorded that interview uh, Sunday afternoon and late Sunday afternoon. Uh, Bob McNair, the owner of the Texans, had some uh, questionable remarks again, uh, essentially giving a pass to some remarks that were made by the owner of the Carolina Panthers. And uh, Eric kind of touched on that. Uh, You know, without knowing those remarks, he said that, you know, if if an owner such as Mr. McNair uh, makes multiple remarks like that, it's, you know, you can excuse it once, but when it's a trend, uh, it's something that leaves a lot of question. Uh, to you know the players that are potentially playing for that organization. In fact, DeAndre Hopkins tweeted out on Sunday that uh, you know sometimes when players make remarks and comments, there are consequences to those actions, and so it's going to be interesting to follow the uh, Bob McNair saga, drama, whatever word that you want to label it. Uh, here in the upcoming weeks leading up to the NFL draft here in uh, in Texas, but. Very interesting conversation with Eric overall, and and really hope that you enjoyed uh, that conversation. But uh, one of the other things that we touched on in the intro of the show was the Final Four. And as we mentioned when we were recording, uh, Duke and Kansas were playing, and it was the first half. Uh, Great game. I'm not sure how many of you guys watched uh, that, but it ultimately went to overtime. Kansas dropping Duke, heading to the Final Four in San Antonio. And if you'll recall, the last time the Kansas Jayhawks won the national championship, they did it in San Antonio with a miraculous three-pointer in overtime as Mario Chalmers sort of sealed the deal against Memphis, who struggled at the free-throw line under John Calipari. But it should be an interesting Final Four here in uh, San Antonio, uh, beginning Saturday with Loyola and Michigan playing. And then uh, the the marquee matchup, in my opinion, is going to be uh, Villanova looking for their second title in three years, squaring off against the Kansas Jayhawks. But what a coaching job by Bill Self this year, the Hall of Fame coach, Uh, doing a remarkable job with the Jayhawks, of course, winning their 15th straight Big 12 championship. 
in sort of a down year. A lot of Kansas fans believe that this was not a great team, yet here they are in the Final Four looking for yet again another national championship under Bill Self. So uh, a lot of exciting storylines here as March Madness draws to a conclusion this weekend in the state of Texas. But uh, overall, great episode. Uh, Phenomenal to have both Jeremy and Hunter in the studio. So we hope that you liked that conversation as well. But Astros again kick off the season Thursday in Arlington. Rockets with their 60th game of the season on Sunday night as they obliterated the Atlanta Hawks. And the magic number for the Rockets to clinch the number one seed in the playoffs is three. That could potentially happen this week, which would uh, allow Mike D'Antoni to potentially rest a little bit more of you know the Chris Paul, uh, James Harden as you get closer to the postseason. But uh, interesting storyline to follow in the NBA is the health of Steph Curry. We touched on it a little bit. Uh, Steve Curry said Sunday afternoon that he will not more than likely play in the first round of the playoffs. So uh, upsets could be brewing. NBA playoffs, it's about to get a lot more exciting than the other regular season, which has sort of just become a formality. But uh, great conversation, great episode overall today. And if you want to follow our work, highly recommend that you follow us on our social media platforms at Weekly Brewcast. You can find us there on uh, your, your social media platform of choice, whether that's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. We're on those platforms. Also, if you want to subscribe to our website, do so at weeklybrewcast.com. We post a content there each time that we post an episode and it gets straight to your inbox. So I highly recommend that you subscribe to our website there. But on behalf of my co-host this week, Hunter Atkins, Jeremy Paxton, my name is Austin Staten. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Weekly Brew. 